Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you hear this. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites, episode 236, as we are looking and reading through the scriptures this year. My reading today is in Jeremiah chapter 42 through 45. So I'll be bringing out a few points from Jeremiah chapters 42 through 45 today. And I pray God bless you and that, that this will be a blessing to you uh, through this, this series of messages that we're bringing and hope you can continue to join us in these. Jeremiah chapter 42. Now, if you'll remember in chapter 41, we just ended there where um, several of them are that don't want to be in the captivity and all of that. Right now, they're planning on going to Egypt, and so they end up in this um, habitation of Kimham. We talked about that in yesterday's lesson. So today, let's look um, in chapter 42, and let's find out some more information about all of this. Um, in verses 1 through 4, we have the leaders of this particular remnant that are at the habitation of Kimham, they're asking Jeremiah to pray for them. They want to, they say they want to hear from God. And then they say, well, whatever God says, we'll do. And they did not mean it at all. And you will see that it was all a ploy. And so in verse five and six, the, um, we see Jeremiah first in verse 4, and basically he tells them he knows they don't mean it. He knows that they're not going to listen. But he says, I have heard. In other words, I've already heard from God. I've already told you, but I'll go to God again. And whatever he says, that's what I'm going to declare. Whether you like to hear it or not, that's what I will tell you. So they, they claim in verses 5 and 6, they say, okay, well, we'll listen. Whatever it is God says, whether we like it or not, whether it's what we want to hear or not, we will vow. They made a vow to obey it. Ooh, that was not a good thing to do. So in verse 7, we see that, you know, it takes 10 days. I mean, Jeremiah is praying, but God sometimes has a time where he will answer in his own time, in other words. Um, you know, he doesn't always answer us right away. And it's interesting because this 10 days shows up in a couple of other places in Scripture. Uh, one of them is in Daniel chapter 1, and the other is in Revelation chapter 2, to the uh, letter to the church of Smyrna. And we find that 10 days is in the Scriptures associated with a time of testing, uh, a time of waiting, a time of, um, of just anticipation and, and uh, waiting time period. Then in verse 7 through 18, we see God answer. And God tells him, he says, I've already told you this, but I'm going to tell you again. He says, if you'll submit yourself to the king of Nebuchadnezzar, king Nebuchadnezzar here, the king of Babylon, and you will stay in the land, I'm going to bless that, and I will take care of you, and you'll not lose your life. But if you go down to Egypt and you try to flee my judgment and my discipline for your sins, you will die there. 
You will have trouble there. I will send sword and pestilence and all of this. So God gives them plenty of warning. He also reminds them that again, he has warned them over and over again. So the choice is theirs. He's putting it out to them the same way he did in the Torah. The choice is theirs. You can choose to stay. If you choose to stay, you reap the consequences of that choice, which is I will bless you and I will provide for you and you'll not be killed through this, this thing. But the choice is yours also to disobey me and go to Egypt. If you choose that, you will also reap the consequences of that choice. And it will be sword and famine and pestilence and ultimately you will die there. All right, so God gives them that. And he tells them, the choice is yours. Then in verse 19 through 22, this is where we see Jeremiah telling them, he says, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. That word admonished literally means to, to duplicate or to repeat. In other words, he says, I'm telling you again. And again, I'm saying the same thing I've already told you before. I've already warned you several times from the mouth of the Lord. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm still telling you the same thing because that's the truth. That's the word of the Lord. So in other words, Jeremiah is telling them, you got no excuse. Don't blame me. I'm sitting here telling you again. This is what God says. Don't go there. Now, the one thing that I want to bring out that's kind of an application for us, a spiritual application for us, this was in the context, this was really happening right after, shortly after uh, Nebuchadnezzar had come in and destroyed Babylon and all of that. And these people were getting all afraid of the king of Babylon. So they think it's going to be better for them in Egypt. So they're going back to Egypt. So that was a real thing that was happening here. However, I do want to pull from this a little bit of a spiritual lesson for us to learn. Egypt in the scriptures is a type of sin. And so I think there's a principle here that we can see about not trying to go back to sin. The life of a Christian is not always easy. It's not always pleasant. But it is rewarding. It is the safe, safety net. It is where we need to stay even when the days are not maybe so pleasant. And so we don't need to, to even think about going back to Egypt. Don't even think about going back to the things that God has delivered you from. See, these people were so far removed from the Egyptian bondage of Moses' day, they had totally forgotten about the bondage that was in Egypt and, and how awful it was for their people there. And so, beloved, there is a scriptural principle in this. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to the life of sin and to the things that God has delivered you from. Stay far removed from those. And even in days of famine or darkness or trouble, while you are in your Christian walk, just trust God. Trust and believe his word. The problem with these people was they were, they were proud and they would not trust God to take care of them under King Nebuchadnezzar, just like he had always taken care of them. They would not believe his word. They would not trust in the Lord and believe that he was able and willing and would, in fact, do what he had said. 
And so as long as we trust God and we stay where, where he's planted us and we trust and believe his word, then we will be protected and he will bring us through whatever. And he has ultimately good in our end, which is what he had for them. So, beloved, don't go back to Egypt and to those things God has delivered you from. The other thing here that we can learn from is not to try to run away and flee God's discipline. We need to submit to his authority, even when it includes times of discipline. There are numerous times when maybe I will have some form of uh, maybe a sinful attitude. I will screw up. I will mess up. I will say the wrong thing. I will be judgmental. I will be proud or whatever it is. And I am so grateful that my God corrects me. The New Testament tells us that if he, and actually it's a quote from the Old Testament, that if we, we recognize that whom the Lord loves he chastens. And those that, that are chastened and are disciplined by the Lord, it proves that we're his children. And so, beloved, we need to submit to his authority, even when it involves correction or discipline, because it's always for our good. May we never run away, because even Peter, in those days with when Christ was alive and with us, he said, even Peter said, where else can we go? For you alone have the words that are spirit and are life. God's words are alive and they are sincere. They are spoken in truth and in integrity with the backing of the ultimate promise keeper who spoke them, supporting their, their surety and their veracity. Hallelujah. Then in chapter 43, so when Jeremiah stops talking to them and warning them, the Bible talks about these leaders, and then it says, and all the proud men. Their true colors now come out. Notice that they are proud men, and they are now rebelling and fleeing to Egypt. They made their choice, and they are just completely casting aside all of God's warnings, God's desire, God's will, they are throwing it to their back. And they're saying, we're not going to listen. We are not going to repent. We are not going to submit. In essence, what they're doing here is they're throwing their fist up in God's face and saying, no, we will have none of you. We will do our own thing and we will do what we want. And so that's, they're bringing things upon themselves because of that awful attitude. So God prophetically speaks to him in verses 8 through 13. And, and in essence, he says, you're not going to get away from me. He says, you're going to flee to Egypt. And guess what? King Nebuchadnezzar is going to take over, you know, and, and rule over Egypt. And, you know, you're going to suffer there. You're going to you're going to come under everything that I warned you that will happen to you. If you rebel against me, it's going to happen. You're not going to get away from this. In chapter 44. Verses 1 through 14, God now sends a word to those who have fled to Egypt. Again, he's sending another word to them. This was after the Babylonian captivity had taken Jerusalem in 586 B.C. on the 9th of Av. 
So this is around 585 BC when they have fled to Egypt, and they're going to find out that their flight was futile. But God reminds them of his continual warning and of their continual evil choices to rebel against him. Notice in verse 7 that God tells them, he says this, Why do you commit this great evil against yourselves? In other words, God is letting them know, I'm not to blame for this judgment you're fixing to endure. You have had warning after warning after warning, and I pled with you to turn. Uh, you heard my heart bearing forth through Jeremiah to come and return to me, and I would have forgiven you. So you've brought this evil upon yourself. That's what Jeremiah is telling. That's what the Lord is telling them here through the mouth of Jeremiah. God reminds them of his continual warning, but they have chosen their evil against him, and now they are going to reap the consequences. But God wants to make it clear those consequences were not his desire, but they have come because of their own choice. In other words, they got nobody to blame but themselves. That's what God is making clear to them here. In verse 16 through 18, I want to point this out to you in Jeremiah 44. And I would like to read this because I want us to see a principle here. In verse 16, this is these people speaking to them. And he says, as for the word, he's speaking back to Jeremiah. He says, as for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth to burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings to her as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food, were well off and saw no trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we've lacked everything and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. Now, they're misunderstanding a few things here, first of all. But I want to point out a couple of things, um, a spiritual application here for us that I saw in this when I was reading this. When we repent of our sins, sometimes it does appear and sometimes it does. Life gets harder. Life gets more difficult because as long as we were doing what the devil wanted us to do, we, we might have been well off and life might have been pretty pleasant and, and okay. But now that we've come from death to life into the camp of the Lord, into the kingdom of God and the family of God, we now have an enemy that has been aroused against us because the devil doesn't want people to be saved. He doesn't want God's blessing on your life. He doesn't want you to become a Christian or to live a Christian life. And so there are sometimes more difficulties. However, the end reward will always prove worthwhile. And the Lord is with us even through our difficulties. He will stand with us just like he did the three Hebrews in the fire. He will fight for us. 
and he will, through growth and development in our life and in our character, help us to come to a place of victory over those things if we will continue to seek him, follow him, and listen to him. So don't be confused. One of the things that they misunderstood is, is something that we cannot afford to misunderstand. God's long-suffering for anyone is not to be misunderstood as approval for their sin. In other words, they were looking at it thinking, well, we did all these abominable things to God. We sacrificed to these idols and burned our incense to them, and we, we did all of that, and things were mighty clean, and we kind of smoothed along there for a good little while. And so they were misunderstanding that in that process, God was being long-suffering. God had an open window of opportunity, a window we might call of grace, where he was giving them time to repent. And he was giving them warning after warning after warning. But, beloved, that window closed. And when God closes any door, nobody can open it. And he closed that door. He closed that window. Their time was up. It was done now because he had taken it. And over and over and over again, he had taken their rebellion in spite of his warnings, in spite of his heart pleading for their repentance. Now, why do I bring that up? Because we're living in a day today where the exact same thing will be repeated if we're not careful. We are in a day where the word of the Lord needs to go forth to repent. There is so much wickedness and abominations all across our world today, wherever you are. I guarantee you, you can attest to that. And the spirit of the Lord is raising up those who will stand by the word of God and who will issue the call to repent because the window of opportunity and the window of grace, the door of grace or whatever, has not closed yet. So we are still in a day where God is sending forth a call to repent and to come to him. And if you've known him in the past and run from him, turned from him, you can come back to him. He is offering that invitation now, but it will not be forever. There will come a time and it's near at hand when the window of grace will close and his judgment will begin to be released. And trust me, you don't want that. You don't want that. So the call today is still come and turn. Call upon him and be saved. Return to him if you have lived prodigally and wasteful living and run from him. He is ready and willing to forgive and to receive you back. But do not misunderstand his long-suffering for his approval. Don't make that mistake. Come to Jesus while there's still time to repent. Hallelujah. And God just proves to them again later in that chapter how he's going to see to it that these things will in fact happen because his name and his honor and the honor of his word is at stake here. 
He told them and told them and told them and warned them. If you do this, this will be your consequence. So now it's coming to pass. And his word will always stand. Hallelujah. I want to just close with this thought from chapter 45. In chapter 45, there's a word of the Lord that comes specifically to Baruch, uh, Jeremiah's assistant, his scribe, his um, stenographer, whatever you want to call him. He was an aide to Jeremiah, and he was the one that penned some of uh, Jeremiah's writings and wrote them on Jeremiah's behalf after Jeremiah dictated them to him. And so the Lord is speaking to him now. And so apparently Baruch was kind of seeking a position. He was kind of seeking recognition, maybe seeking to be honored with some form of fame or fortune. And God speaks to him and he says, don't seek after those things. Don't seek after those great things. But instead, he wanted him to trust him. God wanted Baruch to just trust him and believe in him and be willing to sacrifice for him. And we're told a very similar thing through the Gospels from the word of the Lord through Jesus' own mouth. First of all, he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that we have need of. God will take care of them. And secondly, Jesus tells us not to invest our treasures here, not to, we're even told by the apostle John in his writings, do not love the world or the things of the world. Beloved, we need to recognize God blesses us in this life in many ways. And maybe we have great wealth. Maybe we have just enough to get by or whatever. It doesn't matter. There's very different, very ways of differences and variety of those things in this life. And for whatever God's purpose is, if he's blessed you with a lot of money, for instance, he may be expecting you to share that with ministries and, and others. We don't know. I don't know. I can't make that judgment call, but God can certainly speak that to your heart and direct you about whatever he's blessed you with. But the point is that we invest what God has given to us, and all of us have three things from the Lord. We have time, we have talents, and we have treasures to some degree, whether they are much or whether they are few. But what he expects from all of us for those three things is to invest them in eternal things, things that matter for the kingdom of God, things that will last. And the way we do that is by investing in people. We invest people. We invest in them with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, building them up as disciples of Jesus, helping them, providing for needs, you know, helping provide food for those who are hungry, clothes, etc., giving them the word of God, teaching them, mentoring them, being friends to them, giving them encouragement. All of these kinds of things, these good works to other people, are the ways that we invest our treasures and our time and our talents in the things that matter of eternal weight. And so, beloved, that's what I want to, to remind us of today. Let us not love the world or desire fame or fortune or treasures here because we're only pilgrims 
passing through this place. Let's send our time, talent, and treasures on ahead by investing in the kingdom of God in people's lives here and doing things that will last for eternity there. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that, Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you today.